us do this. It is Friday. It is Blaine and Mickey. Thanks for hanging out with us today. And, uh, oh, by the way, it's Titans game day. Blaine is finishing up some house cleaning items around here. He'll be joining us in a second. <laughs> so, so here's my teammate right here. This is a true teammate. So I walk in, and he's like over here sending me a plate where I sit. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, man, I was out today. I brought you a burrito. I'm like. Man, that's like the nicest thing anybody's done for me in 18 months. Nobody's brought me anything in eight, except for my well, wife. Outside God of your wife and your kids, right? Yes, they have brought me so much joy, among other things. But uh, my tag team partner today brought me a burrito. And I'm like, hey, man, where'd you get this? He's like, you know, one of those trucks. Yeah, one yeah, of those wait, trucks wait. where they make food. And I'm like, I'm, oh. I say, no, 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 this is a legit one. This is, this is, this is a legit one, man. Nah, nah so, yeah, this it will be fine. You will, okay. you, you will be able to... Uh, you know, you won't have to run to the bathroom or anything like that. You know me. You've known me a long yeah. time. No, you I've got run that to many summer. bathrooms. But I do have these, uh, the, I don't even know how to pronounce it, takis. Yeah, those I things are lit. Takis? Yeah, those things are on fire. They've got my, it's the hot chili pepper and lime. It has my stomach just on fire You right know now. what's coming, and you're like, and yeah, I know man, these it. are and real I, good. I just, but I love the taste. You said I had to put those down. They were too hot. You had parked them, but then I noticed you had parked yourself back by them again. Yeah, man, I had to. You see, I got this big gallon of water here to help flush those take us out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, uh, man. So this is, you know, like something like this would happen, then i go playing a game, and then, uh, you know, my I'll be running real fast. You'd be like, what's going on? You know, I'm, you know my butt's on fire. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's what we have. There you go. That's how we start the show today. Who's going to be playing like their butts on fire tonight, do you think, in Atlanta? Because a bunch of guys aren't going to play. Ooh, their well, butt's going to be nice and cool on the bench. Well, I want to say everybody that's playing because that means your job is not secure. It, you know, you could think it is, but somebody else could be rising to the top, even if it's at offensive tackle or guard or you're a backup. You think you got it showed up that you're the backup corner. Or, yeah. Right, you go out there and uh, lay an egg, oh, they will be looking on the waiver wire. And it will be some proven guys in the league. Uh, so, I, you know, and then we got the kicking situation, yep. the deep receivers, uh, you know, the offensive line, the backup quarterback battle, uh, you know, and then, this, you know, to see how the line actually does uh, with not a lot of guys out there right, that are starters. Uh, so it's, it's kind of going to be interesting. You know, a lot of former players or uh, coaches, you know, attached to the Titans a little bit with the Falcons, so back and forth there. So, kind of a little bit of a of a rivalry, I guess, starting with Arthur Smith and Vrabel. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And uh, Dean Pease. Oh, and Dean Pease and his son, right? Matt is with them as well. Yeah, you got some, you got Stalker. You got, uh, I liked Foreman last year. We picked up, you know, maybe three or four games into the season at running back. He seemed, I mean, he was a first-rounder. He slimmed down and looked very explosive. Looked like kind of a a mini king. Right. Uh-huh. And he hit the hole maybe sometimes a little bit faster. And he's not faster than the king. Right. But I'm talking about hitting the hole. So he's a both delight. And we got the Hill kid that plays for us now, mm-hmm. Brian Hill, that running back, uh, Stalker. I mean, man, there's a, you know, a, you know, a little back and forth here. So I think this game going to be a little scrappier than most people think. Did it drive you crazy at the end of the game when things got sloppy? In the uh, at preseason games where you're like, let's just get on the bus and get the heck out of here, and time's wasting, and guys are dropping balls and going the wrong way when that happens. Did that drive you crazy? Well, it didn't happen a lot, uh, you know, but it definitely happened. Uh, but nothing really outrageous, really more so 
people forgetting somebody's down and then they now replace them. Right. You go over that 50 billion times, all the different scenarios when you sit in the team meeting room or the special team, especially on special teams, and somebody goes down or they have a strain or they took them out. It's not their job to tell them they need to be paying attention, standing next to their coach and make sure you know who's out there. And usually the coaches try to gather around, but some guys just still forget. And so, you know, depending on who you are, that could be the reason you're on or not on the team. It's that close. Sure. Yeah, so we, uh, I, I wouldn't say it would irritate me. It's just like sometimes, okay, let's get this first game out the way with all the rotation, with all these different players, and then say, okay, the second game, let's be a lot sharper on substitution patterns. Right. Mm-hmm. But for people who wonder, literally, teams go over that. They go over all of it. Everything gets gone over. It's just you got to make the mental note or write it down or whatever so you can look at it later and remember it to know if this guy comes out, I come in. Well, I think sometimes it, that benefited me being from uh, not a big-name school football program, uh, also being the blue-collar, overachiever, hard worker. I paid attention to all the little details. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, that was something that just couldn't be missed. And when I say that, I'm talking about, okay, I'm not going to give any reason for them to release me for my acts. Right. Now, if someone beat me on a play or I missed a tackle, that's different than I allowed them. I had the answers to the test, and I didn't say the right or do the right thing on the test. But they gave it to me. I have no reason to miss it. And so those are the things that I refused as an individual, as a player. Uh, but there are not a lot of players. Everybody's not like that. I used to make assumptions that everybody was. Yeah. That, that's not true. Everybody's not motivated the same, regardless of how athletic or how good you are. Some people are motivated by money. Some people are motivated, like me, the passion and the love for the game. I still played it in the NFL level like I was still in college. I, every play meant everything to me. Uh, a lot of guys were like, ah, well, oh, well, I messed up. I'll get it next time. No, no, it, it may not be a next time, man. Yeah, that, that's why uh, the Ravens loss really hurts. Because it, it was never a next time we got back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I think I've told you this before. When I was working at Arkansas State, we had a receiver. He was a great kid. Went through a lot of personal issues with his parents and lost both of his parents while he was in school. And I got real close to him and, you know, just tried to help look out for him. And and he went through this period where he struggled. And I, and I just talked to him, like, not about football, just like trying to be a dad figure That's type right. person. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, when I was in high school, he said, I didn't even play football until I was a senior. But I decided to play football, and I was a receiver. And he said, I didn't know how to run any kind of routes, and nobody showed me. He said, I just would run as fast as I could, and the quarterback would throw me the ball, and there was nobody around me. Or I would just go stand somewhere, and he'd throw me the ball. And then I would out. He said, we had plays, but I didn't know how to run a route to get to a specific spot. He said, I was just faster than everybody else. He said, then when I came here, I wasn't faster than anybody. Right, everybody's just as fast. And so when you get to the NFL, people are like Olympic fast. (laughs) So like to – I, I can't imagine what it was like like for the first-round pick, second-round pick, like guys always been the biggest and the baddest and the fastest. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those guys come in rarely, and they're still just bad dudes. Right. But a lot of them have to figure out how to play with leverage and how to run a route. And, mm-hmm. and, and like you, you're talking about all the DB stuff, where it's like, I'm going to make this guy run around me. I'm going to just run this guy out of bounds. All the things that you learned with angles and just where the – the goal line or the back line or the out-of-bounds line became another defender to help you. Mm-hmm. Where guys just thought, I can't just outrun people anymore. I'm not the biggest. I can't just push people out of the way anymore. That has to be a heck of a thing for a guy to get this far and then have to work through that. 
Yeah, you know what? And I think some guys don't. I mean, from whether you're from a big school right. or a small school, and that's why you end up saying, dang, man, that guy from, I'm just using Alabama since I'm sure we got a lot of listeners. Like, dang, I thought he would be better than that. I thought he'd be a better pro. He like just Chance Wormack. A yeah. solid pro. Right. He just became a solid pro and a right. starter instead of a guy you thought, oh, man, he's going to dominate. He's going to be a Pro Bowl level player. He, he's going to be one of the best you know, guards in, in the NFL. And it didn't happen. Yep. And sometimes they've peaked. And then sometimes guys don't know what the things they need to work on to be better or to manage through in this league to be the best player or version they can uh, to perform at a high level. And that, and that takes time. Sometimes you say two or three years, and after that, you go, if they haven't figured it out yet, they're not going to figure it out, or they just don't have it. Yeah, it's really uncanny why that happens, though. I but, have no idea. But there I mean, are a lot of big school guy. guys who get to the NFL, and you're like, yeah, that guy. And, and, and then a couple years later, you're like, what happened to that guy? I can't remember this guy's name. This guy was a big-time player. He was a, he was a safety at, I think, Alabama. We're talking about, like, the year we moved here in 97. 97. I, I, I think that was 97 or 98. I can't remember his name. And he was really good. I mean, and we, like, drafted him in the fourth round. I don't want to say his name, but I cannot remember. And I thought, man, we got him. We're going to be good. Good to go. We no. got here, and I go, uh-oh. That's not the same guy, is it? I said, yeah, that's him. I'm going to look him up. I'm going to have his name after the break. Uh, I'm going to figure it out. I know you're probably looking it up now. now draft, all you got to do is look like the draft class from 97, 98. might have been 99, but I, I'm pretty sure it was in that Tennessee Oiler window. All right, I'm going to get this yeah, for you before I'm gonna we figure take it this out. break. And, uh, man, he was a good player, but he should have been a great player based off of his resume of what he did in college. You've talked about this guy before, I know. and I say and that I looked because him up before, and I couldn't. Even, and I thought he was. I think he's ninety eight class, ninety eight. Okay, ninety seven. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Holmes, Joey Kent, Denard no, Walker, three the DBs, Scott Sanderson, Derek, Derek Mason, fourth round pick, which is crazy. Isn't uh, it? A guy named Pratt Lyons. Here's your guy, George McCullough. No, it's Baylor. I know, but George McCullough oh, yeah, was a fifth rounder. Yeah, he's year. the yeah almost. Almost, guy. boy, gosh, George yeah. almost made. Yeah, he, he had a really good career in Canada. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, oh, was it Renee Stewart? No, Renee was my backup. Oh, he's from Northern Arizona. Yeah, this guy I think went to Alabama. He might have, maybe he didn't. He he was ninety eight class then. Yeah, this guy was a D. He was a safety. He was really good, man. I cannot. Oh, this guy, and he just man, I, I don't know what happened. I don't, and I think he, he got lost. Here's Brad Ware from Auburn. Brad Ware. Auburn, I'm sorry. Sorry about that, Alabama. Hey. Brad Ware. That was him. Blaine, he never played a game in the NFL. Yeah. What what round did he go? Fourth round. Yep, that's him. That's Brad him. Ware from Auburn. If he, you look at a, this. He was a pretty good player. If you look at this list, it's on Pro Football Reference, which is my favorite website. Like, every blue name, they played at least a game. And if it's a black name, it means you can't click on it. It means they never recorded a game or a stat. That rascal did not. Yeah, I think they cut him in training camp. A fourth-round pick. Yeah, I think they cut him in training. Like, at the end of the training camp, they cut him. He never came. And I was like, dang, he was a he was a pretty good player. He was from Alabama then. Yeah, he wasn't didn't play Alabama. He played at Auburn. He's a solid player. Really, really good player. I remember watching him a couple games, and it just did not translate. And some of it was more uh, mental, but then I think he just lost his confidence. You're, listen to your draft class. So Brad Hopkins was the number one pick. He went 13, played 194 games of NFL football <laughs> on the offensive line. Michael Barrow was the second-round pick, 
Everybody remembers him from Miami. He played 173 games yeah, in the NFL. he played like 15 years. Yeah, he was. Travis Hanna, you remember him, wide receiver? Oh, yeah, T. Hanna. T. Hanna, he played 37 games. Yeah, receiver from USC. Now, this guy you were talking about the other day, John Henry Mills, rocked up, oh. you said, like special teams demon. He Ooh. played 100 games. Yeah, and this guy it was a Pro Bowl you know, special team player. Okay, now th- this may be the one where you got to think about it. Chuck Bradley. I remember gar- I mean, tackle from Kentucky. Tackle from t- You know how many games he played? Uh, I don't think he – he might have been on the team a couple years, but he didn't ever play a game, did he? One game. Well, okay. He yeah. played in one – think about that. Yeah. Like, that guy's got a Titans – Oilers jersey hanging up in his house. He was an Oiler. This is 93. And his kid's like, wait, you played for the Oilers? like, one game I did. Patrick Robinson, wide receiver. Yeah, he was wide receiver punt returner. He was solid. Was I mean, Tennessee State. Yeah, he was. He was a solid player. He was. He was good, but he was not a polished receiver. But as a returner, he was pretty solid. He was really good. He played thirty games, and yeah. here you go, pick two fourteen in the eighth round, defensive back Blaine Bishop. Be busy. What, what did I, how many games did I play? I don't know. Do you not know? Oh no, man! I do not know my stats or anything, or like how many games I play. I tried to play every freaking game <laughs> if possible, regardless. If I had, if I could run, I was trying to play. Only my last year with the Titans did I not play because that was the only time I was on IR. You played 138 games. Oh, That's yeah. pretty darn good, man. You had yeah. 15 and a half sacks. Well, well. Five INTs. There you go. This is your life, Blaine Bishop. Yeah. All right, I'm about to have my life pass before my eyes. I'm going to dig into this burrito from Blaine. We're also going to dig into some Titans talk because it is game day. Buck Rising joins us next. He is in Atlanta, apparently eating wings from a strip club via food delivery service. Mm. We got lots to get to. It's Blaine and Mickey 1045 The Zone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Blaine and Mickey 1045 The Zone. Buck Rising in Atlanta. He's hanging out down there having some odd late night food cravings. He's set to join us here in just a minute. I want to ask him about that. It is game day, by the way. Uh, if you want to jump in the chat, you can do that. Zone TV, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. You can always holler at us there. You can tweet at us, Blaine and Mickey, at Blaine and Mickey. I'm real curious to know what's people's excitement level because there are a few really vocal Titans fans that are on social media, and I see them on Facebook or Twitter, and they'd be excited no matter what. Yeah. Like if the team tweeted out, new chin straps for everyone. They go, do they? Oh, my God. New oh, chin no, straps. What color? That's colored. They would lose their minds. Yeah. And then other people are like, red ones. Let's just see how well they hold up. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else is kind of somewhere in between. So I'm curious, you know, I always look at these preseason games because you know me, I, I like the long shot. I like the, the guy who comes from nowhere. I'm yeah. always a big fan. You also like the jerseys. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. You know what they're wearing? You know what britches they're wearing? The Titans? Mm, yeah, I saw Jim Wyatt's britches report, but now I don't remember. Uh, I, was I think it blue? Uh, navy blue. Was it navy blue pants and white jerseys? Was that it? I think so. Okay, I think that's it. All those combos look pretty good. The one I'm not crazy about is the one that the players like. It's the all navy blue. The players have always liked that. Oh yeah, yeah, I like that. Well, you know which one I don't? I don't like the all white. I know it looks sweet, but it looks soft. I mean, it looks nice. I mean, but it's like, dang, man, that's not intimidating to anybody. All white. When we were growing up, the only teams that wore all white that I remember. The Colts? Nope, that wasn't growing up. Yeah, well, well, the Baltimore Colts. The Vikings, they would wear 
on the road, a lot of times white pants and white jerseys. Oh, yeah. I'm Aubrey Shot catching that catch. And the Bears did, too. The Bears wore oh. white pants and white jerseys. They're big rivals. But a lot of teams, like the Chiefs, wore red pants. They didn't wear white pants. They did occasionally wear white pants and white jerseys, but they'd wear their red pants. Or the Browns would wear their orange pants and their white jersey. But I remember the Vikings and that purple helmet and the white. Here's the thing. If you have a white helmet, to me, it's just too much white. But I don't mind it as much if it's white jersey and pants, like with the Titans' dark blue helmet. I'm not crazy about it either. I don't really like all one color. I like it when you have one color pants and one color jersey on pro teams. To me, it looks more like a college team. Every time they wear the all-white, though, they they play really well. I think of the Cowboys games. Well, the game here when Javon Kurz broke his foot was all white. And I don't I don't think the Titans had ever worn all white in a game until that. Now somebody's gonna know Preston Penn or somebody who knows everything about the, what they've worn, super fan. Somebody's gonna tweet me. I don't remember you guys ever wearing all white in a game, except in that game, and you were in Philly. That was a game against Philly. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And the Titans came out in all white and you came out in number twenty four, which was weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and green. None of that made any sense. So you're on the other team. The team is in all white. Javon breaks his foot. That was just a disaster of a day. All white. So I hated all white uniforms. Well, they that. won. Titans won. I remember yeah, that. It was a close one. Yeah. yeah you guys only game. lost three games that year, right? The Eagles. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, we, we had that one. I don't know what happened. I think Eddie had a long run. And so just so I could make sure I got a shot on him, I, I got one. Yeah, hate him into the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say to we, you? We looked at each other like, I knew you were going to try to get me right there, man. <laughs> I had no shot of stopping him. You know, you get a big human being like that running that fast, and then he's, I think he ran for probably maybe 30 yards or so. He's right there. You know, typically a DB starts saying, okay, I'm about to make a business decision here. There's no way I can stop. I'm coming from the side. Right. He's already, he's got the angle. And I had to give him a shot just to let him know that O.B. Bizzle still got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I just wanted to see how what his, uh, he was prepared to slide once I made him airborne. <laughs> That's a big human, too. That's a lot of human oh, to yeah, move into yeah, the end zone. Yeah, no, that was fun, though. He, he got me a few times, too. It is time now for our weekly visit with Buck Rising. We get him not a few times, but once a week. Brought to you by Two Rivers Ford, home of the non-commissioned salespeople. So, Buck, you got Blake Bishop on this morning. I hear you talking about how... It was a similar story to what Pac-Man Jones once told. He was in New York City, and everything was closed but the strip club. And it was the only mm-hmm. place he could get a steak. And the whole city of New York, apparently wings were all, the only thing available to you from a, from a certain place in Atlanta. It was the only kitchen still open there. How you doing, Buck? God bless the Magic City Strip Club kitchen because they saved me at like 11 o'clock last night. Everything in Atlanta is starting to shut down again, boys. I'm, I'm not optimistic about where things are trending for a uh, a normalized football season based on major metropolitan areas and how they're handling their various protocols. But there is no protocol against strip club wings being Uber Eats to your hotel room for anybody who would accuse me of nefarious behavior outside of the the confines of my hotel room on a work trip. I got Magic City Wings, the Lou Williams meal, the one that got him in trouble – for leaving the bubble and breaking protocol during the NBA Finals a couple of years ago. Uh, I got the Magic City Wings, the Lou Williams meal, and it was delightful. Oh. I, I don't know if food from there has ever been called delightful before, but it's barbecue. I remember the story. It's barbecue and something else, right? What's the mix with the barbecue? No, they got the lemon, they got the lemon pepper seasoning on the barbecue wing. 
and it comes Ooh. with a loaded baked potato if the, as if that's not enough. So it, <laughs> it, is, the, it, it is the best in class. Ooh, as as I can't wait till you bring it I don't it think back I could ever go back. Okay. Did you right, take so a listen, picture? Lane, I got an order sitting next to me. I, w- I had to go to a strip club at one thirty in the afternoon to bring you wings today, so I hope it's worth it for the shame that washed over me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be worth it, so I'll warm them up tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, Buck eats the finest cuisine that Atlanta has to offer. Uh, I did want to ask you this before we got into Titan stuff. Did you watch the Field of Dreams last night or any of it? I know you were busy, but here's why I'm asking. Major League Baseball doesn't seem to get things right very often. They seem to step on their own. Just pick what you would say that they stepped on. Two feet. Yeah, their own two feet. <laughs> they, but I just thought they did this so well last night. I was happy for them. So I I was watching it because I I had no idea what was going on I didn't I wasn't paying any attention to the to the ramp up for this thing, um, and then after the preseason game between the Pats and the Washington football team was over I was scrolling through Twitter I'm like oh there's this you know thing in Iowa why the hell are they playing in a cornfield so I put it on Fox and I was watching it and I I understood even as it was late in the game like it was the top of the ninth when I finished prime time. And I was able to tune in, so most of the game at that point had been played. But just the way, how simplistic they made the the elements of the broadcast, I thought were great. It was something that trafficked in baseball's nostalgia, but also appealed to somebody like me who has zero connection with the sport. I mean, none whatsoever. You, I, I got nothing for you on baseball other than I like to go to Sounds games and drink at the bandbox out there in the, in the outfield. So I really thought they did that so spectacularly well. And the player who ended the game, Tim Anderson, is one of the best and brightest in the sport. And the, the fact that he has no connection to Field of Dreams, he's never seen the movie, he doesn't care about the movie. Right. That resonates with me because I'm like, why are they playing in Iowa and what's with the cornfield? That <laughs> It made its own moment with Tim Anderson, something that I can associate with, where I can't really, I got nothing for a movie that was made in the 1980s. And what's crazy is Buck Rising joins us. It's not like you could take the NFL. It, they wouldn't go to a cornfield and play in front of eight thousand people. They, they, they. You just you have so few games. You just can't. You can't blow one up like that. But I spent the rest of the night thinking, gosh, what could the NFL other than throwback uniforms? They really can't tap into nostalgia like that. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's tough, right? Because because especially when you consider that baseball's inventory, like you're saying, is so much more vast than that of the NFL and, and what the price point on one NFL game is yeah. up against one ML, one of 162 in Major League Baseball. I, you know, football, foot, the closest thing that football has to something like this is Hall of Fame week where we're reminiscing on all of these moments for the greats like Peyton Manning and Calvin Johnson and all of, the, all of that kind of bringing back those memories of the moments that they had but not an actual game being played itself. I just don't think there's a way to – to pull that off buck rising joins us he is coming at us from atlanta georgia getting ready to cover tonight's first preseason game for the titans are taking on arthur smith and the falcons yeah no doubt about it right right oh yeah no doubt about it segment that's what this is with buck rising how you like that buck no <laughs> doubt about it no doubt that's a good idea I, 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 we're gonna come up with a segment here now right this is your segment or should it be our own uh it should be your segment but the people who call in to complain about no doubt, and no doubt about it, we're on my radio show. So maybe we make, maybe since I visit with you every week, maybe we rotate between Mickey and Blaine every week with me, and then we'll call no, call that no doubt about it on my show. Yeah, no question. 
Uh, let's have some fun here. Yeah, no question. I'm just changing to that. Um, how much of uh, the quarterback, the backup quarterbacks battle, are you going to be watching, and, and how much pressure is actually going to be on those guys to perform? And, you know, in particular, Woodside, who doesn't have a lot of experience compared to to Matt Barkley. Man, every time I think Woodside's in a bad spot, this man is is he does survive the zombie apocalypse. He, yep. That's all he does. He survives. Um, so I think the pressure's on Matt Barkley. Like I don't think Woodside's all that. Woodside probably should be worried about it, and I'm I'm certain that he's done you know things to adequately prepare, and he understands the gravity of the situation. But like you know, added pressure doesn't always help a quarterback, right? Because you're already in your head about a million different things. You got live bullets flying around for the first time in a long time, even if they're not schemed. And for Matt Barkley, Matt Barkley is in a much more tenuous position as far as his NFL career goes. Logan Woodside is. He's the vet. He's the uh, veteran by quite a bit um, in this particular situation. He has proven that he cannot really do much other than be a backup body for any of these NFL teams that have taken a chance on him. And Woodside's got the advantage of knowing the playbook. So, I mean, the pressure not necessarily is on the guy who will get the start tonight, Logan Woodside. It's on Matt Barkley to see if he can continue to prolong his NFL career. Well, with the Buck Rising, with the Buck Rising show, and, you know, I was thinking about this. You didn't have any preseason last year, and now they're having preseason. You know, just how important is preseason after last year, do you think, to maybe the players, coaches, and everybody involved, or does it really matter? Because it seems the Titans play fairly well, so do you want to be like, man, do we really need preseason? Or they're just going to hold out a lot of their – their starters and big, you know, name and, you know, salaried players and just wait to the regular season. I mean, so I guess the really, the only justification for preseason, right, is for reps at, for bottom of the roster guys to see them in real time. But like mm-hmm. the importance of it, I, I think outside of like live tackling blame for defensive players, because that was something that yes. took just a nosedive last year without the preseason given what practices are now and how much they limit contact in practices you just saw how poorly defenses across the board I mean the Titans being one of the worst defenders um were in that regard but if that's the only justification for the preseason I mean they're just doing it for the financial for the television contracts that they need to that they need to fulfill and the the fact that collectively bargained are 20 NFL games three preseason in this case 17 regular season the way that they just kind of shifted the math on adding the regular season game by subtracting from the preseason they're not they're not all that important for fans they're important for guys who are trying to you know make continue their livelihood so from that standpoint it is a big deal but for for as much as everybody puts into them and for as long as they take to get through Preseason is just kind of it's just kind of exists at this point for the sake of the television dollars. Well, Buck, uh, who are you going to be watching or you know keeping a close eye on that you're really fascinated to see how well they do now that the games uh, will be played? Give me a little Rashad Weaver. How you like that? I, I think oh. I think that's a spicy one because he is somebody you know John Simon until Bud Dupree came back from uh, from the PUP list and has since really practiced every day in some kind of limited capacity every day since he's been activated. John Simon was the starter opposite Harold Landry when they were running defensive drills and 11-on-11 at practice. So how Simon and Weaver kind of find ways to separate themselves from one another 
and find their role if they do uh, if they indeed do stick to the math that they used last year on game days where they're only keeping three active outside linebackers on the 46-man roster. Now, they could change the math this year based on their personnel and and having a more varied skill set, and it will obviously change week to week based on the matchup. But Rashad Weaver is somebody who has the ability to not just play on the edge or as an outside linebacker, which is where he gets a lot of his work. He can play really across that defensive line in certain packages. So I want to see how, how far they can test his versatility to make the math work once they have to figure out active game day numbers. Because the more that he can do up front, the bigger an asset he's going to be. We're on with Buck Rising from the Buck Rising Show right here on 104.5 The Zone. Yes, sir. Uh, Does Kendall Lamb, if he's healthy, I know he left practice early the other day. Does a healthy Kendall Lamb, do you think, have a leg up at right tackle right now? No, I think Tyson Brayo does, Mm. which I wasn't really – anticipating they Mm. seem to real i mean as soon as he was ready to go from uh i can't remember whether he said a foot or an ankle issue that cost him the rest of the season last year they just they put him right there on the right side and they made lamb the backup at left tackle when they couldn't have taylor lawan out there given that they're staggering his workload the past couple weeks as well so i feel like it's kind of ty sambreo's job to lose because the you know the rookie is is playing right guard right now he's getting some reps at both tackle and guard in Dylan Radens, but it seems like Lamb is is the less is the is not the preferred alternative or is not the preferred starter. I would say that he is probably the preferred alternative at this point, given that Raiden still has a lot of work left to do. And you you played a, a snippet, I heard this earlier today. You were talking to Greg Cosell. He had an interesting take on Raidens and really where he and he I think he tried to qualify, you know, saying it, but he had an interesting take on where he thought Raidens might actually be best. Yeah, he said he thinks he's a center, or he yep. thinks he could be a really good center. And he cited Mitch Morse, who played uh, a handful of years for the Buffalo Bills. He might still be in Buffalo, I can't remember. Um, but similar, similarly built, like a longer, bigger center. You don't necessarily associate those guys with having the frame of a 6'6", 6'5", in the case of Dylan Raidens' uh, tackle with the kind of length, but you know, the thing that's cite that's cited about Raidens is his arm size at tackle his, or his arm length at tackle. And, and a lot of that can be overrated. I mean, the, the guy out of Alabama who plays left tackle for the Bengals, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but that was a big story about him when he was a first round pick. And he looks fine on the left side when he came back from his, uh, his rookie year off of injury. So it, it's interesting. I wonder if, I don't know if it's got more to do with the footwork or, or how he fits in, in certain schemes, and particularly with this one, where they run a lot of outside zone concepts and run action, uh, run action, play action passes. But it seems like Greg saw something from him during his college career, and really only one game of a sample size to work off of the 2020 season, right. with the way that FCS handled their season. Something on film showed that this guy may be suited for an interior role rather than on the uh, on the on the tackle side of things but we'll we'll see he's he's got he's got some development to do certainly and the idea that you go from North Dakota State and really not having played a full season at North Dakota State since 2019 straight to handling guys like Jeff Simmons and Danico Autry in the middle of a defense it's it's good. it's a pretty steep learning curve for him right now yeah no doubt no doubt <laughs> Buck Rising joins us here on the uh, Blaine and Mickey show well, you know, I, I find that really convenient in that you, you said that, and that's all true. 
but we weren't saying that about all the, the rookies last year when they had no preseason. We're expecting them to go into the game. Expectations are based off where you go in the draft to perform. To me, this is a little disappointing and with Radon's in that not only is he six inch long arm, now we're talking about moving him inside where typically you don't have guys like built like that. And then now, you know, Cosell says he's better off at center. So to me, it tells me his athleticism and his footwork aren't there to play offensive tackle. That's just an observation based off what you're telling me and what Greg Cosell says. To me, that's where it may be. I, I'd love to see him. I haven't really paid attention to him, but I will be watching him in the game to see how he looks with his footwork because there's not a lot of space when you're inside compared to when you're outside at tackle. Oh, no, Blaine, you're spot on. If if they screwed this up mm-hmm. for a second year in a row with a need at right tackle, this is an indictment of the per, of the people responsible for scouting this dude and scouting offensive line, frankly, because they can't keep whiffing on that position, especially how badly Isaiah Wilson tanked. And I understand there are so many different circumstances that went into Isaiah that we may never see again. There's, I don't think there's right. been a first-round draft pick that handled that as poorly as Isaiah Wilson did. But the, your, your point is well taken is that they should absolutely be, and they being John Robinson and his staff, should absolutely be held to account if the guy that they drafted to play right tackle straight up can't play right tackle. They need him to solidify the right side because their offensive line is getting older. And it may be a convenient situation if Roger Saffold ages out after this year and they can slot Raiden's in on the left side, inside, but then they, you're still left with another hole at right tackle without a solution. So mm-hmm. I, I'm absolutely with you. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of good explanations, but there were plenty of good explanations for Marcus Mariota and the way that things ended there. That's an extreme case. But you have to you have to understand, as as Blaine is correctly pointing out, you know what teeters on explanations and then becomes excuse making. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're with Buck Rise. I guess lastly for me, Buck, real quick, uh, do you think it's going to be you know some Arthur Smith, you know, with some trickery up his sleeve, trying to take uh, you know his, his former head coach down, uh, even though it's a preseason game? I mean, I want that to be the case. I'm praying for that. I need, you know, I love, listen, I love that we have football back and preseason football. You know, there's a lot of good reasons to enjoy it, but I need some spice. I hope they get a little extra alpha for us playing because I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to need something other. If the self serve ice cream machine that they have in Mercedes Benz Stadium is not available to keep me engaged, then I'm going to need uh, some trickeration. I'm going to need some early onside kicks. I'm going to need some alpha behavior. From Arthur Smith against his boss. Wow, man. Alpha, alpha behavior. I heard Kanye was living in there. Did they kick him out for for the game? Do you know? No, he left. Oh, he, he left. left. Oh. He just got he, – he had his own room in there. He decided he was going to finish. And, by the way, imagine the conversation of Kanye West people coming to you as the uh, the operate the operational people at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and be like, hey, can he, like, live here for a couple of weeks while he finishes his album? And then he, they put him in like a, it looks like military barracks, the setup that he has. And then he just decides, yeah, the, the vibe isn't right in the stadium. I'm going to take my creative talents elsewhere. And then he just leaves. So I was hoping to see Yay in the broad, a broadcast booth next to Coach <laughs> Mack and Mike Keith, but I guess not. Oh, man. I heard he was in the visitor's locker room. Man, I was disappointed. Would love to see Kanye. <laughs> it would be a big time. It would be a big time. Right, Buck and Kanye is the next show coming up, man. So stay tuned. Well, as long as we can have Magic City Wings involved in that, I think that would be a successful (laughs) transaction. Cool, cool, man. Appreciate it.
Buck, thank you, man. Have, yeah, a, boys. have a great time. We'll be keeping up with everything uh, via social media on all the Buck Rising accounts. Thank you, man. Yes, and many thanks to Scoreboard Bar and Grill, who make it possible for me to be down here and in Tampa next week and with you. There you go. Appreciate it, Buck. Buck yeah. Rising uh, joins okay. us in this first segment every Friday. He is uh, currently in Atlanta eating Lou Will Wings. So uh, hopefully he makes it back safely <laughs> as he covers the game tonight. By the way, game coverage starts here at 4 o'clock. 3HL, that crew's going to handle the pregame show today. Uh, the local pregame, then it'll be the network pregame at 5, and then the game is at 6, and then Dr. Smooth, Kevin Dyson, Blaine Bishop, and myself tonight on Titans Talk Back, brought to you by Lee Company. Big night ahead. One more segment in this hour, including a guy's going to do something tonight, I think, that he's never done before. I'll tell you what that is next. Blaine and Mickey. Mickey, 104.5, the zone. It's the first game of the season, first preseason game. I want to know how excited you guys are about this. I know we got callers who want to talk about different things. You can call us anytime on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline, 615-737-1045. Looks like we got a Field of Dreams call. And then we got Rick and Hendersonville, and the note just says, no doubt about it. I would mean that means, Rick, you are excited <laughs> about this game. Oh, yeah. first. And then I know that you're all, I know, and Rick, I know that you're the guy that pointed out to Buck that we're the no doubt guys, our show. So there you go. I am the no, I am no doubt as far as Uh, We appreciate it. We appreciate it. No doubt about About it, it. guys. Yes. Um, The two of you just use that phrase a whole lot. Was that just one day? I don't normally was that just one day like that we did that? Because I, I can recall that day. I'm having trouble hearing you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. <laughs> you, oh, you heard Google. that. But there are so many phrases that you can use. Uh, Blaine switched it up earlier today. No question. Mm, that's a good one. Oh. You know, I totally agree with you. Man, you are absolutely <laughs> correct. <laughs> Yeah. There's just so many other phrases. In, uh, well, I just have a small, limited vocabulary. I can only choose no doubt about it because I was trying to lead into a segment that we're going to have called No Doubt About It. Yeah, you may make it. I, I was it trying to see, and you did exactly I what I wanted to happen. I think, I think it would be successful. Oh, man. Well, we give you all the credit for sure, Rick, we when will, that happens. We will. We appreciate that, too. But, no, I just wanted to give you all a call to say, I, you know, I'm not hiding from you, and I do listen to you. Otherwise, I wouldn't, you know. You wouldn't know we say no doubt about it. Stop. Rick, that's exactly what I said yesterday. Uh, somebody called in, and we were laughing about it, and I said, here's what I would say to Rick right now. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, oh, you should have said no doubt about it. <laughs> no, I feel like you missed I'll, an I'll opportunity there. Show. Somebody called in uh, about the morning show saying <laughs> the word axe for the word ask. <laughs> and I have heard that host. In fact, I heard the host a few weeks ago trying to correct himself. And he did the same thing this morning. He was saying something about how he was asking a, fr- asking a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's 
just little things. But well, we appreciate. I'll you let now. you guys get. They run a good show. Well, thank you, Rick. We're all, we're all doing our best, man. And yeah, here's we it, appreciate it too, man. We, we thank everyone for for listening as we, we're doing really well in the ratings. So yeah, we appreciate everybody listening. It is a good crew, and you guys have definitely supported us. Uh, we appreciate the support, uh, absolutely. Um, let's squeeze in one more phone call. Cousin Danny, I think he wanted to talk about this field of dreams. Cousin, let's get it. Anybody else on the line, hold. We'll get you to start of hour number two, but let's get Danny in first. Hey, Danny. Hey, guys. Appreciate you. So I, when I watched the game last night, it just stirred up all kinds of crazy emotions, right? It was so it was so great. Touched all the childhood love of baseball that there was. Mm. And I heard so many people today talking about if other sports could pull this off. And it reminded me of a class that I took in high school. It was a, a class focused on sports literature, wow. literature about sports, writing about sports, things like that, right? And the teacher that I had said something that stuck with me for all time. He said, there's only two timeless sports in the whole world, and it's baseball and golf, and it's because those are the only two sports that aren't dictated by time. You play 18 holes in a round of golf, unless you're tied, and then you, you go to you, till someone wins. You play nine innings of baseball, unless you're tied, and then you play till someone wins. You think about the equipment that's used, the, 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 the technique, the way the game's been played, not all that different from when the game was originally, you know, incepted. And I think when you see something like what we saw last night in the Field of Dreams games, and it touches all of those spots that remind you of your childhood and all of the great things that baseball was to you when you were younger and it stuck with you that long. I don't know that there's another sport that could really, really touch that because you can't really just gather up a gaggle of dudes, find a sandlot and, uh, you know, play ball. Mm. It's, uh, it's a hard thing to do. It was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful event. And, and I think that it was something that, that I'll never forget. And I don't think could be recreated. Oh, Danny, that was beautifully said, man. Uh, that was beautifully stated. No question. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with what you said, Danny. Um, here's the thing that's going to happen tonight because I teased it. I'll say this. And then uh, it was a walk off, too, right? To win it. It was, that was a walk off. After the Yankees hit, what, two or three home runs, runs in, in the top? They scored six runs in the last inning, which cool. purists wanted a pitcher's duel in the cornfield, but everybody else wanted a bunch of hits and home runs. It was nine to eight. It gave everybody everything. It was just, it was great. Uh, Ryan, if you'll hold on, we'll come to you first at the start of the second hour. We also have Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio. I'll say this. Tucker McCann has been on the roster in some capacity. He never got to kick in a preseason game last year. So he will kick in a pro game for the first time tonight. The other kicker besides Ryan or besides Ficken, Sam Ficken. Ficken will be kicking. But so will Tucker McCann, who's been around a long time. I'm going to be watching. Never had a chance to kick you last know, year. You know, coach may decide to go for a field goal and be a you know, time where he might have gone for it because it's preseason. I want to see my kicker's kick. Yeah, go ahead and kick that 52. 100%. I would. Who cares if you lose a preseason game? I need to see both of y'all kick. Ain't going for it. Don't, don't care. Third and one, go out there, kick it. We need to see you kick. We got to kick it to the second hour. Again, Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio will join us in about 20 minutes. Headlines next and your phone calls on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline.